It is July 28th, 2021. Today we discuss ML, machine learning. What is it? Do I need it? I think we'll answer that today for you. I am Michael Askins, architect and technologist, and this is the Technology Architecture Solution Engineering Show. This is a data download episode. So in the studio, who do we have? Our returning champion and partner of the show, Chris Seferlis. How you doing, Chris? Walking in, fists raised. Yeah, doing good, man. Glad to... Glad to be back, uh, you know, and, and I think the other piece that you left out of the intro is um, how are we already using it, right? Yeah. Because that's, that's a big portion of this. And, and uh, you know, it may open some eyes and it may be like, oh, yeah, well, I knew that. <laughs> so, <laughs> for sure. For sure. So we're, we're going to kind of use this as a, as a springboard into some machine learning. I know we've talked a little bit about AI in the past. We talk a lot about data platform and reporting and BI. And there's a lot of conversation right now. Uh, I know the day job over at Aspirant, uh, we're, we're having a lot of those conversations with, with our client base. Uh, some of the other activities I do in the tech world, I'm, I'm getting asked a lot on, on some of the offerings that are out there because there's there's these peaked not that there was ever not a peaked interest in it but it just seems to get this there's a revitalization for some reason i I don't know what it is out there in the ethos but it's getting this revitalization and there's some people that are kind of like the questions are like what is this mlai stuff and then you have to kind of go down that path so i think we're going to use this as a springboard we'll give a quick you know few minute uh primer on what ml slash machine learning is and then we'll just kind of see where it goes from there so is that good for you? Yeah, I think it's all of our um, awesome marketing, right? Where we we rebuild the uh, the the Roman uh, RFX or or you know all of the the cool things that we have going out there. And Common is telling us how awesome AI is. You know, I, yeah. I think it all comes from that. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. And you know, speaking of the the advertisements that that are out there, I, I got flicked by a whole bunch of people, really not tech people. Some people are like, uh, you know, in parts of their career where they're like uh, on the near side and some are on the far side. And every one of them said, you know what? I was tuning into the Olympics and I saw a message about Teams. How do I use? T- why is Teams being advertised there? I was like, well, aside mm. from a lot of people are using it. You know, there's Teams personal, like you can add your personal account to Teams. And then, like you said, there's there's a lot of the AI ML stuff that's out there. So it's good to see um, Microsoft getting out ahead of it and being top of mind. And hopefully that's what's leading it because we're having the conversation. So it's working if that's the case. Um, let, let's let's talk about ML. So machine learning. You and I know what it is. Let's kind of give the the business description of it. We'll, we'll explain it two ways, right? We'll, we'll explain sure. it explain it to the business who may uh, not have an understanding of the technology and all the cool stuff that gets us up in the morning. But then sure. we'll we'll dive just a wee tiny little bit into um, the weeds. We won't we won't bore you or geek or tech out on this show. That'll be the next one we have a data download. But this one sure. we'll try to keep it up there. So, uh, w- w- how would you describe as a, in an elevator pitch to someone, what is this machine learning? How would you describe that out there? Well, <clears throat> machine learning is a foundation for AI as, as we have come to understand it. And um, I, I want to use two examples that I think are great use cases that, you know, one is very, very complex and, and quite frankly, I find to be awesome. And the other one is, is very rudimentary and you can almost guarantee you use it every day, right? So the awesome use is um, you know th- there are active use cases right now, for instance, where uh, you've got companies that um, need to inspect um, uh, you know various elements, whether whether they be uh, bridges or uh, train trusses or um, power boxes on power lines that are going across the vast expanse of the flyover states and things like that, right? Wind, windmills. <laughs> yeah, sure, right. That's that's another great one. Um, but you know, when you when you have, uh, for instance, drone technology that's able to fly over these power lines and inspect the power lines to see if there's going to be 
uh, an issue, right? Is there corrosion present? Is there um, any any breaks, any uh, tree limbs, or you know, uh, is there a, a, a rain runoff wash away where you know one of the towers is leaning? You know, th- there's a, a bunch of different ways that we can inspect these using a drone. You fly it for X number of miles out. Uh, and now instead of a person driving to each of these to inspect these towers to make sure that 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 critical, critical uh, infrastructure is up and running, we can use a drone that is inspecting these uh, on the fly. It's capturing the video, uh, sending them uh, the, those those images and, and that video to the edge that is then uh, going through and comparing what. Uh, you know, these power lines look like to what they should look like. And so we've trained uh, an image model that says this is a good, uh, you know, call it whatever pole or box or, or, you know, landscape. And then here are some areas that we want to look for it, or it just doesn't match. And so this gives us the ability to flag and say, this should go, we should go take a look at this. What this does is it allows us to no longer have to send that human out there. You know, you've got the fuel costs, you've got the cost of labor, you've got all these costs that go into inspecting those for really, really a critical, critical infrastructure piece. And so that's like an awesome example, right? I mean, I can see a world where, um, you know, you've got in, in residential areas as far as well as urban areas, as well as metropolitans, where, you know, you've got... Um, these capabilities with drones and AI capable cameras in certain areas where you have the ability to inspect these without having to send anybody unless there's an anomaly that pops up, right? And so um, we've used ML in the background to train those ML models to say, this is good. This looks not good, right? And we need to go (laughs) inspect it. doesn't necessarily mean that there's a problem, but if you think about the vast amounts of money that are saved as a result of not having to send somebody to each individual node to inspect it, uh, you, you know, you see some really, really significant savings as a result of that. Also, you know, it's, it's a heck of a lot more expensive to um, fix something when it's broken, you know, because you've got customers that are complaining because they're down. Uh, how long are they down for before you can get it resolved as opposed to, scheduling a maintenance time or, uh, you know, setting up a, a bypass so that you can repair that particular node, you know, whatever it happens to be before there becomes a failure. Uh, and this is applied everywhere, right? It's, it's, it's applied in oil drills. It's applied in machinery. It's, it's applied in so many different ways. Um, but that's, that's some really, really cool stuff and, and really, really great things you can achieve with AI with the underlying ML models. A very rudimentary example would be spam protection, right? We've had email in the everyday world for at least 25 years, some of us longer, right? Going back into the AOL days and CompuServe days <laughs> and Prodigy days, right? I mean, I, I think my first email account was probably 92, 93 timeframe, I want to say, somewhere around there, right? Same, yeah. um, <laughs> the good days, you know, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, I, I could make the noise, but it would be obnoxious for everybody. Uh, the old, the old dial-up. Um, but you know, when you when you think about spam protection, um, talk about an incredible ML model that we've developed over time to be able to thwart spam, right? If if you use um, a spam protection like one of the leading ones out there, um, you know, App River would be one that comes to mind. Uh, Microsoft has their own flavor of it, you know, built into the Outlook programs. You know, there there are a bunch of them out there. Uh, you know, but those those particular um, services have built uh, capabilities over time, and they're constantly refining and constantly training these ML models that have been built over time. To you and I, ninety nine percent of our spam gets filtered out. Uh, you see a few that come into your spam box or your junk box. There are ones that you know most of us don't even see that never even come our way because they're being rejected. Um, anybody who, who looks into the guts of a spam filter sees how many get rejected before they even come in the door, yeah. uh, you know, and, and that's all built on um, a, a trained and retrained and retrained ML model over time. 
Yeah, for sure. And, so, and can, can I throw in on that one? You know, that's the that's part of the challenge is that when we see uh, like one of the conversations I had this past week was with with a business that, quite frankly, they don't they don't need drones and they don't need camera inspection. The 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 artifact of their work is largely knowledge and information. And they're like, why would I need machine learning? Cause I don't do that cool stuff, quote unquote. Right. <laughs> and, and I kind of directed them. I was like, well, I gave them the answer and it says, well, I, I'm going to be talking with Chris on the next episode about this. So <laughs> you're listening. I'm sure you are. Um, but it, it, machine learning, like to, I love, I love the two parallels that you put out there. One seemed rudimentary, but it's also, if you take that, that model and you actually compound it and you look at it, maybe uh, financial and spending, uh, maybe mm-hmm. potentially around, you know, a product lines, the data of like w- what you're manufacturing and you need to have an understanding on, you know, what to expect from a sales cycle and, you know, following, you know, four simple steps, you can get insights that are pretty relevant, right? Sure. Um, and it helps you guide and make these decisions that normally you would have to, you know, have multiple meetings around the conference table or virtually, depending on what you're doing these days, uh, to, to try to analyze what's going on and then, you know, maybe argue back and forth on whose idea was best. I mean, you cut all that out and you have a machine handing you your table this. Now you, your team, instead of focusing on getting to that point of what does this look like, you're actually saying, okay, well, what should we do? Right. And I, that's the glory of it, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. So let's talk about how that gets built, right? Yep. So how, how do you get to that point where you can use a service that already has this built in? Um, obviously, Power BI, you've got some built-in AI features. Uh, you know, if you build a dashboard and you click on the, the ellipsis in the top right corner of any visual, it says analyze this data, you're going to get back 25 more visuals, different ways of looking at that data set, right? Yep. That's all AI, and that's all built off machine learning, and it's using different algorithms. So... Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what that is, right? So what is a machine learning model? And and quite frankly, it's kind of boring. It's just another computer algorithm that uses data to make educated educated guesses or decisions about your data, right? Or the prediction that you're trying to make. Um, When normal computer software that we use every day needs to be improved, the software developers go in there and... They edit it. They, you know, they, you know, fix bugs. They add enhancements. They add improvements. By contrast, a machine learning algorithm uses data to get better at a specific task. Okay, mm-hmm. a machine learning model at its core is the component of machine learning as a category of technology, and essentially. It's what we're referencing. We want to predict something based on the data we are providing to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, there are a ton of model types out there, right? You can build your own custom models. You can uh, use uh, simplified models. You know, one of, one of the simpler models um, that you could think of is like a straight, straight line analysis um, where you give the machine, a bunch of data points, and it's going to look at the correlations of those data points, and then it's going to continue a trend, right? Excel has very, very simplistic uh, machine learning models that you can use when you hit that little data button in uh, on your ribbon bar, right? And so, you know, you can go in there and um, there's one that's even called a what-if analysis, Right. And so, um, you know, those those capabilities have been there for a very long time. Like I said, there's some very rudimentary examples. Now, that is going to help you to determine what the pattern is. And if you assume that that pattern remains consistent, then you can make some assumptions about what the future holds. The challenge is you can't always assume those patterns are going to remain consistent. Right. Um, You know, just because I've sold, um, you know, a hundred widgets every year for the past 10 years, it doesn't guarantee I'm going to sell a hundred widgets or I've increased by a hundred percent every year. It doesn't guarantee I'm going to increase by a hundred percent every year because there are so many other factors that get involved. Mm -hmm. And so what we've learned to do is add a whole bunch of other components 
to to bring out those correlations in the different areas, right? If I've sold 100 widgets for the past five years, but um, you know inflation is extremely high and the price of oil has gone down significantly, and so you know uh, our our widgets are now too expensive for the market, or on on the the opposite, you know, extremely cheap. It's going to have a major impact on what we're selling in widgets. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so we have then these very, very complex models. And so when we think about um, more complex models, uh, medical scientists are going to work with these models that are simple because they are reliable and intuitive, but AI-based robots, and we've talked about them here on this show, Boston Dynamics, you know, we talked about that a few episodes back, right? They're using AI-based robots you know, that, that rely on these extremely complex models. Same thing with, you know, your Tesla and it's auto driving mode and all this other stuff. Now that model is being refined all of the time by all of the data that it's capturing, you know, um, as it's driving along the road, it's, you know, Hey, there's a new crack in the road. There's, um, you know, I have never been on this road before. I'm going to learn about this road. Um, I've got construction today, uh, you know, all these different, uh, components that continually help that model improve with you so far. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, 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 I'm breaking down cause it, it, I'm resisting the urge to go super deep to the algorithm level. Cause I want to <laughs> go there so bad. Yeah. Um, I'm going to add, I'm going to add uh, just for flavor, some, some phrases that people have heard and, and kind of map them to what you've talked to. Um, and feel free to course correct. Uh, so when you talk about machine learning, there's, there's at its basis, there's, there's three main ways that you're going to do machine learning. You're going to do, supervised learning, you're going to do unsupervised learning, and then you're going to do reinforcement learning. Mm -hmm. So they're the three core tenants of everything that's machine learning. Now, when you have a complex thing, like maybe a Tesla, not a sponsor going down the road, Mm -hmm. it's using a combination of these things so that it doesn't pick up a telephone pole on its way to wherever you're going. Right. Right. Um, right. So, so when you, when you made the description of, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to analyze the power lines that technically is a a supervised learning because it's going out there and it's, it has a defined goal. It knows the inputs of what to expect and what not to expect. Again, the spam filter, we have examples that we give it and it gets better. uh, The more data points and the more samples that it has, and it can learn from itself. Right. 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 I I shouldn't say learn from itself because that's more the reinforcement side. But the sample pool gets larger, the more accurate it is. That's what Mm -hmm. that's the intent of supervised learning. The unsupervised learning is more of of. You know, we've we've all seen on the on the TV shows where the pharmacist has all the 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 pills that he's prescribing. He has that little divider and he's going in there and he's cutting them all up, counting them out, sorting things in certain ways. Uh, we see them on the, the movies that ha- about Las Vegas where the chips are there and the person quickly sorts them out by color and, and what have you. Uh, that's kind of the unsupervised learning. The outcomes that that you get, the results that you get are basically segmentation, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's sure. finding ways to separate in pockets things that it has learned based upon its sample and growing sample sizes of how to classify a particular data point. And that data sure. point could be something digital. It could be a, a, a photograph. It could be a sound. It could be a touch interaction or it could be just something completely in a system and an accounting system. But it can look and it sees and it's going to classify something based upon these data points. The sure. reinforcement is where that's, you know, we're talking next level stuff where it's got, it's got a goal It knows what it needs to do and it needs to find out what the relationships of its environment are to make decisions and figure out how to present the output. Uh, And that's where you start coupling the AI and reinforcement learning to not pick up a telephone on the way home. Right. So those, a lot of the times, like I know there's a ton of little LinkedIn blurbs all over the place and YouTube blurbs and people say, Oh, machine learning, we need to figure this out. And you hear people get really complex with supervised learning algorithms. And (laughs) so I'm just kind of bringing it up a level and and kind of mapping that to some of the things you're talking about, because it is really 
I'm going to oversimplify by using the word simple. It really is that simple is finding out how to use which model to determine what kind of an outcome that you need to look at. What, what, what are the results you need to see to validate? And mm-hmm. um, I think that's where that, that, that tick in the box goes for picking which way to do it. And yeah. a lot of the times we, we see people, we had uh we had Joe on several episodes back uh, from the Digital Discovery for Aspiring because they have a digital discovery uh, solution that is heavy machine learning inside of there. It takes all these inputs from people and it uses natural language processing and machine learning to try to come up with solutions. Well, a lot of the times you have to run it through multiple layers of machine learning to get something from an output perspective. Right. Um, so, so that's worth bringing up too. So I didn't want to dis- depart too no. far from your, from your. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's great, um, you know, to, to fork that path to understand it. And actually, um, you know, it, it goes right into when we talk about the, this notion of training a model. Right. Because, um, you know, you've got you've got this ability to um, almost have like a feedback loop to say, um, you know, uh, we'll go back to the power line, you know, uh, feature. Um, You know, there was uh, a bird on the junction box when it took a picture and we haven't trained that model to recognize that there was a bird there. So it looked like some kind of a. Um, you know, some kind of an issue, whether it be a hole in the box or a crack or whatever, but in actuality, it was a bird. Uh, and so now we need to be able to train to pick up if there are going to be birds in the area and they're sitting <laughs> on these boxes, right? Yep. And so, and so you, you know, you, you kind of talk about how, how, you know, you improve the models and, and how you become more accurate over time. You know, we've got uh, 25 plus years of, of spam and different techniques that the spammers use. And so we've already thrown away the vast majority of your email because we know it's junk, right? Especially if you've had an email address that long. I think I've had my Hotmail uh, account for literally 20 years now, you know? <laughs> um, and, and, and so, you know, I mean, there's just a ton of mail that I just never even see. Um, but, you know, the spammers find new ways to send out spam. And so those models are improved over time. And everybody has their own little secret sauce as to how they um, they train their models in slightly different ways. And so somebody will tell you that, you know, Gmail's mail protection is better than Outlook's mail protection. And, you know, I mean, there's there's all kinds of things around that. And the reality is it's just a matter of how you're getting hit with that spam. And so, you know, um, it, it is a very interesting uh, piece with how you are um, generating the information that's required for that feedback loop to train the model. Because basically what's happening is your model is getting smarter as you feed it more information, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, it kind of brings me back to the old uh, Simpsons cartoon when the mouse is in the cage and he goes in to eat the cupcake that's in his cage and he gets shocked by electricity. It's the same <laughs> thing, right? Right. Now that mouse knows better than to go or the hamster goes, knows better than to go eat that. Cause he's going to get shocked. Yeah. Right. And so, um, it, it's, it's that reinforced learning, if you will, that I, I shouldn't eat this thing. Right. So I'm guessing yeah. he wouldn't eat any cupcakes after that. Um, <laughs> no, no hamsters are harmed in the recording. Of this right, podcast. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so really it's, it's just, it's all about being able to, uh, improve those models and improve the predictions the model is going to make. Um, and, and really, um, this notion of using a model, it doesn't require the training, right? You can deploy a model. You can move it off to a different location. You can spin it up in other areas. Um, Azure uses all open frameworks and open source tools for this capability to be able to take those models that have been generated and open them up wherever you need to. They're open frameworks. It's, it's called the Onyx framework, O-N-N-X. Uh, I forget what the acronym stands for, but it's an open, <laughs> it's an open um, network framework that, that Microsoft adheres to um, so that you can use those models anywhere. Now, can you retrain those models anywhere? Maybe, maybe not. You still have to be able to add that data in, but you have the model that you can use that can be used in open source tools. And so, um, you know, the idea is we want to make it so that it's as portable as possible. Why do you want to make it portable? Well, we want to be able to run it on our Raspberry Pi device that mm-hmm. runs um, SQL Server Edge database so that we can have AI at the edge, 
and it's portable, right? So we can use it kind of wherever we need to. Now we are, you know, the, the best cloud when it comes to best public cloud, when it comes to IOT and the capabilities and IOT is largely reliant on AI so that you have sort of this anomaly detection ahead of time. Again, going back to my original example, saving money, um, you know, whether you're rerouting that power, whether you're, um, you know, going to fix that drill before it breaks, because a break is a heck of a lot more expensive and time consuming than regular maintenance. Absolutely. And in, in the, the telemetry that you can get off of, especially uh, industries that have, you know, physical things that they're applying these models against, like like drilling and pipelines and water lines. And uh, when when we collect telemetry and we have all this data points, we want to do something with them other than just having a pile of data being stored in the cloud, right? You know, there, there might be somebody somewhere that gets an idea and they're going to like crunch some numbers. Mm-hmm. It's far more efficient to, you know, take these numbers and feed them into uh, an ML model that says, okay, can you predict when this will fail based upon what sure. you've known? And, you know, right. maybe there's vibrations or there's, you know, certain amount of slop in, that gets measured in, in, in some sort of a, an IoT sensor that we mm-hmm. can – and it saves money that way. There's like multiple things that we can do to save money. And, mm-hmm. and, and the use cases are endless. Everything from physical inspections to physical interactions like you had mentioned with the uh, – with, with, uh, driverless vehicles. You know, I, I recently watched, um, I'm going to actually talk about a different channel. Uh, there's one on YouTube called Veritasium and it's a very science math based, uh, YouTube channel. And he recently released a, an episode on self-driving cars mm-hmm. and they use a lot of these machine learning models and they have, lo- they have millions of miles logged of cars just driving, mm-hmm. but then they can take those, take those miles in, in those scenarios and put them into a system and have it replicate similar scenarios over and over again to where they can take those millions of miles and quintuple them near overnight by running through all these different models and what the outcomes and predictions are based upon all the variables that happen there. Now, this is super granular, super industry niche, but we extrapolate out to what we were talking about earlier, uh, just the financial industry. Right. Fraud right. detection, you know, the, it's huge. Uh, you know, right. machine learning models are huge in that space. Um, so. It's also very huge in understanding customer spend and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, how, how people are going to act and react based upon their spending habits over time. You can look in, and apply variables to these models that get get outputs to interpret you know based upon right. based upon certain uh, economy markers you can make some adjustments to your model and say what would happen if we you know keep producing product at this rate Right. And the economy is great and we're not going to meet sat- we're not going to meet demand. And so we right. should maybe increase demand uh, or the v- reverse of that. We know that there's going to be a downswell on our, you know, not too many people are going to be buying snorkel gear and flippers in, in October. We know this, but maybe there's all this great rush in, in, in deal for people to get out of their house because they've been locked up for 18 months. Maybe we right. need to figure out how much we need to produce based upon who, who's booking where. So, right, uh, right. Use cases are, are, are endless. The question yep. then, the pivot, the question is like, how do we do this without making it overcomplicated or crazy expensive where we're hiring data scientists to crunch all these numbers on our systems? And when I say R, it's the letter R. Uh, you know, <laughs> for those who are not familiar, there's different platforms in which you can accomplish this stuff. That R, R would be one of them on data scientists. Mm-hmm. Love the R. Um mm-hmm. Python is another one. I'm, I'm going to go way down in the geek nerd uh, knobs mm-hmm. here in a second. But like, how do we? Python's let's see. the preferred now. I think it Python is. is the preferred now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's far easier to deal with Python. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Python the, coding and R coding. Yeah. Yep. yep. What is the so so? Y- you see a lot of this out there. You have these conversations. What is the entry point for for something like this for a business? And what type of business would benefit from this aside from industry type, business size maybe, or maybe a classification? You know, large, 
middle tier enterprise? Like, who do you see consuming this? Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny. I just had a conversation earlier today um, because uh, um, the the AI market in general has has exploded, you know, over the past few years, uh, you know, because we've become much more efficient with how we process the machine learning, right? We we now have, you know, cloud systems that can scale so massively um, that it enables machine learning and, and deep learning and deep neural networks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as we kind of go down that rabbit hole, if you will, um, you know, of, of some of the, the different terms, we've also, um, you know, got systems that that work better with different chip types, right? So when you have um, a standard CPU in your computer, you also have a, a graphics um, CPU or a GPU, a graphics processing unit, which um, it, it's it's simpler in its instruction set. Um, it's more focused and targeted on uh, these types of activities. And then you go further down. Yes. Yeah. The, just kind of going on the graphics bit. That's that's the probably one of the sole reasons why I have a Surface Book three um, mm-hmm. with the discrete graphics and because I, I run TensorFlow on my on my mm-hmm. on my Surface Book and mm-hmm. I I do some of this on my right and it uses the GPU. So sure. there people people are like, what? You can do more than mine Bitcoin and watch watch 4K video? But <laughs> yes, you can. Sorry for the interruption. <laughs> <laughs> my my other computer is the Azure Cloud. Right. So <laughs> yep. uh, um, no, but I mean it, you know, so even even going one step further is now we've got these field programmable field programmable gate arrays. And I say it wrong every time it messes me up. It's a tongue twister, <laughs> but FPGAs. And so now when you go out and, and you use one of our, one of our partner solutions, Databricks, which has a big, um, uh, you know, name, I guess, in, in the um, data science space and Spark, um, you know, is, is very common in the cluster, uh, Spark clusters from a, a compute standpoint. Um, you know, now, you see that you have this capability where you can use GPUs, you can use CPUs, you can use FPGAs, because based on what you're looking to build, what model you're looking to um, build, how you're looking to train it, what algorithms you're looking to, uh, to use, they are going to run better based on the type of processor you're using, because the processor co- can um, uh, let's just simplify it and say crunch the numbers quicker based on the type of instructions you're giving it, right? So it, you used um, mining for Bitcoin using your GPU as an example. And, you know, obviously the the um, prevalence of, of Bitcoin has come out over the last, you know, whatever, eight, nine years, I guess it's been, uh, you know, and I, and I remember looking at it eventually or originally, and, and you had these people that were just, putting together these swaths of video cards and, and, you know, just like, why is, why, why is that the case, you know, and why is there a run on, you know, Radeon X 9,000 or, <laughs> you know, whatever the heck, whatever the heck they are. Right. Um, you know, and, and, you know, the price of those has just gone through the roof. You know, you, you look at AMD stock, look at Nvidia stock, you know, over the last five, 10 years, and, and, you know, these were like the main GPU processors uh, and video cards that they're putting out. Uh, it's it's um, just amazing how how much um, using those technologies has has come into the fold over that period of time, and it's not just because of Bitcoin. You know, obviously there's the more demand because of video games and you know um, you know 4K video and 8K video and all this stuff, right? Um, but uh, you know the point is is that those processors, depending on the types of algorithms that you want to use can make it run faster. And in the case of Bitcoin, you're breaking algorithms to mine for Bitcoin and it was faster on GPUs than it was on CPUs, right? And so, you know, I, I think that it's it's important to realize that that each use case um, depends on what you're gonna what you're gonna do with it. The the fastest, quickest way um, to to get in there and 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 do it from a um, a, a rudimentary level um, is something like Azure Machine Learning Auto ML. Uh, it, it, it's gives you the ability to throw and, and, and this is something you could do in, in less than an hour because everything is cloud-based and you don't have to, all you have to do is throw a set of data at it. 
right? You throw a set of data at it in in one of the the simple tutorials that we have on MS Learn, and it's going to return back uh, which algorithm. I think it uses twenty something algorithms out of the box. Um, you know the most popular ones, and it's going to return back which algorithm is best for your data set, and it's going to help you define your ML model based on that information. We've taken all the guesswork out of it to allow users to go in and build very, very rudimentary ML models with this process. That's that's phenomenal, and it, it extrapolates for the, for anyone who's you know uh, familiar. For those who are familiar, like I mentioned, TensorFlow. That's you know just one. Actually, TensorFlow runs great in Azure too. By the way, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. you can you can take those models and move them at you know and have scale as opposed to it sitting there running on your surface book. Uh, but there's, there's a bunch of other, you know, more desktopy cell, um, mm-hmm. interfaces. And I know some, some data people who actually use those before they actually go to Azure because they want, want to try to figure out which formula is best. And they load them all in and they run all the different models just to see what the outputs are. And they interpret each one and they say, Oh, this is sure. the best one where they can just immediately take a, a, a subset even of that data and put it out to it have Azure automatically help you with that, which is sure. that's that's a great low low entry barrier, if you will, to try to yep. get things off the ground without having to get a fleet of data scientists turning right. righteous. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, you know, it's a good point, right? All of these, uh, not all of these, but the majority of the tools that are out there are open source by nature. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and there are frameworks that you can buy and and stuff like that. But um, you know, a lot of the tools are open source based. Um, uh, the some of them that are heavy requirement in understanding, you know, statistical models mm-hmm. to be able to. I mean, because this is all based on statistics. When we when we talk about a model and the algorithm that goes with the model, it's all based on statistics. Um, you know, probably should have said that earlier. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I, I mean, you know, especially in, in the way of like fraud, fraud prevention and things like that, you know, they've got statistical models from way, way back, you know, long before they had all this massive compute to throw at these things where, you know, they, they had some, you know, do I qualify for a mortgage and, and here are the 50 reasons why I do or do not, you know, yep. um, but, you know, the, the frameworks are out there. You can download them, you install them on your laptop. Um, I would say that's probably a more challenging way to get into the space uh, just because, you know, I mean, if, if you're a CEO and you want to tinker with ML models and you don't have much of a tech background, that's going to be a tough, that's going to be a tough one. <laughs> if, if you're a business analyst and, and, you know, you, you, you know your way around computers pretty well, but you've never been a programmer, um, it, it's going to be, it's going to be an uphill battle, but I would say it's, it's going to be a lot easier for you than it is for that CEO I mean, because a big piece of it is knowing your data, right? And and yep. I feel like a business analyst, um, you know, that works with the data regularly is going to be more comfortable with the data that they're working with, um, you know. And then, of course, it becomes know, syntax. It could become syntax at that point, right? Understanding yeah. what to put where and how how yeah. to make it all come together. Whereas sure. with with the 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 C level individual who's maybe not as tech oriented, it's going to be I need to understand the data, what what the output is, what does it mean from a business, which you probably got that part, but then also understand, oh, here's some technical hurdles to jump over. Right. 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 Exactly. Yeah. And then I mean, so there there's a pretty wide swath of of capabilities up there. You've got the open source flame frameworks that you can use. Um, and then, you know, we, we go all the way down to the granular level of the folks that, that want to do that um, on a day-to-day basis for di- data scientists, where we have w- what we call data science virtual machines in Azure, mm-hmm. where it has all of those tools installed for you. Um, so you've got the TensorFlows, you've got the PyTorches, you've got, you know, <laughs> sort of all the, um, all the various tools and frameworks of your choice that you can use to, to go ahead and build those models. Um, AutoML is a great way to get in, understand, you know, what the the model for your particular data is in in a quick fashion and, you know, just just get some basic understanding of how to build out your your predictive models on, you know, whatever it is that you want to predict, right? And so, um, you know, I I think we we talked about that feedback loop and and what what a, what is important to understand is that the models themselves aren't going to train themselves, right? That was a little redundant, but I think the point was there. You know, they're trained using 
the data itself plus two different pieces of code that we're using. Um, one is an objective function, and then there's the optimizer side. So the objective is, you know, really what we want that model to be able to do. And then during the training, the model is going to make a prediction. The objective function is going to calculate how well its prediction was and where it needed to be fine-tuned. So then the optimizer is the code then that, that then changes the model's parameters so that the model will do a better job next time. And so when we start talking about that, we start talking about that constant feedback loop or that training of a model, um, you know, to, to be able to improve itself over time. Yeah. It, and there's some tools that help with that, too, that Microsoft provides. We got the, you know, auto ML. And then if you start going a little bit deeper and you understand uh, what your data is and you can collect get piles of data there's the machine learning studio right there's the mm -hmm. the cl classic version of it if you will uh, mm -hmm. it's still available um, it's out there and i know that uh, some some people map to the the classic machine learning studio because it is more like shepherded from from a, a legacy methodology so you know mm -hmm. the, just like people are still missing blades inside of azure because it just shepherds you one to the other sure, sure. Um, so the machine learning studio classic is still available too and I, I i know that some people when you put them in front of auto uh, it, it becomes clear and it's fine and other mm -hmm. people if you put them in front of classic it's that complete step-by-step -step of like, sure. oh yeah, let's gather our data. Let's do some, let's format it to make sure that it's, you know, usable and it can be understood by the models. And then you throw a model against it and then you do the interpretation. Sure. Um, yeah. So, so that is, that is still out there and still available and it, it might be, might be good for, for people. And if, and if you are a little more nerdy, I believe the labs for machine learning studio, the classic are available on one of Microsoft's GitHubs. So you can also mm -hmm. pull down a bunch of examples. So you're not like messing with your, your data and trying to figure it out. There's known known entities in the output. It could be predictable. So you can do it and you can understand, Oh, it, I'm not getting the result. I should, how do I get that? And, you know, maybe you, you miss something or maybe it's just, you know, the way it's supposed to be, but you can figure it out that way too. Yeah, I mean, so um, the the classic studio is is fairly limited, and it is being deprecated over time. It, it mm -hmm. will go away here. It's it's not being supported currently. I mean, it's you know, um, obviously it's still there, but you know, we're really pushing customers to move to the new machine learning studio. Um, mm -hmm. It it really brings more capabilities all into one place. Um, so the nice thing about the new ML studio is that you couldn't, you can do auto ML if you choose to, mm -hmm. uh, but you can also, um, you know, sort of roll your own, if you will, you can build, um, you know, the nice thing about the studio is that it really helps with, uh, the data cleansing and ingestion process, mm -hmm. uh, to, to be able to kind of go through and, and, you know, you start talking about building, you know, samples of data and, you know, ways to, um, work with it, you know, eliminate fields, truncate data, things like that. Um, it, it just, it makes it an easier drag and drop interface for cleaning the data. I think that's one of the things that's, um, most desirable about it. And the other piece is that really um, it, it sort of gives you that centralized repository of all the areas um, that are important to the ML build process. Yeah. So whether it be connecting to the data, cleaning the data, but then you've also got the models that you've deployed, you can connect to them through an API and use them within your applications. Um, and, and you've got sort of, um, you know, your areas where you've published those models to, um, you know, plus, you know, uh, any additional extensions that you might use with them and things like that. And so it gives you um, sort of this all in one place to be able to manage all of your models and, you know, things like that. And so um, we, we are definitely moving away from the classic, um, but it's nice to just kick around with and play around with um, a lot of the functional functionality is similar, um, but we are no longer supporting those. So it's um it's more of a manual process to go to the 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 new studio than it is you, you, there isn't like uh an exact 
um, upgrade path or something like that. Uh, I haven't, I haven't found one yet at all. (laughs) It is a thousand percent manual, but if you're, if you, if you're going to just kick the tires and kind of get a, it it is simplified is, is, is kind of what I was searching for because there's things in the, in the newer, in the newer studio is like irreplaceable. Like if they were to deprecate the, the new formats, like, you know, just the way you deliver and maintain a live model is not something that you can handle in classic or manually. If you build it out with discrete services without using some of the, the curated experience that, you know, Azure ML suite of products gives you, um, I'm drawing a blank. What is the name of it? Um, notebooks, right? Yeah. Notebooks. In the, and it's almost like they have like a, a DevOps version of, of machine right. learning too. So, you know, being able to at scale, be able to move it around and, and have some kind of control around what those models are. So the output is something that is predictable and accurate because you're, you're sure it's not getting, you know, messed with that, you know, production prime time, you obviously want to be on on the newer platform the full ml right. Azure ml sure. as they call it <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah and that process is ml ops right and yep. so that ml ops um, integrates nicely into azure devops uh you know and and so you've got sort of all of the components in the ml devops whether it be um you know uh what are the you know the uh <laughs> the task tools the oh yeah I'm trying to think of all the different components to, to Azure DevOps. CICD, pipelines. So that ML ops, ML ops process helps you to, um, you know, control your retraining of the models, your publishing of the models and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's becoming um, a, a very um, important piece, you know, for the customers who have said, okay, I've built my ML models. Now I want to put them into practice. And I want to use them, um, you know, and, and I want to make sure they're being updated constantly and all that kind of stuff. And so um, ML ops process is becoming much more important for our customers. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely agree there. And, you know, the one thing that I always um, people struggle with that I always have to answer to is like, OK, now I got these predictive things. What do I do with this output? I mean, like it's it's giving me this output. Uh, how do I present it? What 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 is the use case? So like we talked through a bunch of use cases of you sure. know areas where it can work. There's some tools uh, that are available to you know e- even if you don't have a full fledged team or you're not pulling a company in. Um, that is one of the things that like is super, you know, one of the highest requests are it's like, let's get a consultant, let's get AI and machine learning in here. But if right. you're not that, if you're not that kind of an organization that's doing that and you're, you're making a go at it yourself, now you have this output. What do you what are you seeing customers? Super leading question. <laughs> what are you seeing yeah. your customers doing with the output of this? Here's okay. Here's output. What, yeah. what are they, how are they, how are they presenting it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, I mean, it, it, it could be any number of products, obviously you've, you've got your own custom web apps that you're building. You've got a, a built-in application. Um, you you could use a power app, you know, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of different ways that you can uh, tap into that, um, that output to essentially say, um, here's, here's what I'm faced with. I'm faced with a decision point, um, and I want to know the likelihood that I'm going to be right or wrong. And so, um, you know, let's just use, uh, somebody going for a, a line of credit, a home equity line of credit for their house. Um, you know, it's going, the, the system is going to feed all the data in, um, it's going to run against the ML model that's sitting in the background with your specific data. Um, you know, those are the parameters that you're filling out as part of that. And, it's going to return a percent likelihood that you are going to pay back the loan, right? And so, um, you know, somebody that's got a, out, outstanding credit, uh, you know, is is that's a factor, right? Are they still employed? That's a factor. Um, do they have any outstanding bills? Those are factors that will play into this, and it will give you a score uh, and say you know, okay, well, this is the person's score. We believe in the, you know, 99th percentile, they're going to pay back their loan. Or, uh, you know, uh, we have this area that we're concerned about, you know, based on the information that you fed into the system, there's an 80% likelihood they're going to pay back their loan. Or, you know, this person has a credit score of 600. uh, And they're a big risk. And, you know, either we're not going to give you a loan, or we're going to give you a massive interest rate, 
for you to take a loan out because it's going to cover our butts if we if you default on this loan basically yep. right so yep. that i mean that's that's one way to kind of put it um you know and and it's it's all going to be dependent on the systems that are built around it to be able to um use the predictions that are coming out of that ml, ML model yeah for sure and and i know there's uh there's a specific insurance company that actually determines their premium using machine learning models based upon people that are like you with and they look at everything from you know history of how you're driving which is should be the leading we think oh i haven't had a ticket and i haven't had an accident mm-hmm. in 10 years mm-hmm. uh but there's other things that the insurance industry has learned that kind of steers people towards, you know, potential challenges like, oh, in the past 10 sure. years they're you know, their credit score is low and they've been making like, here's some verifiable reckless choices. So they might be reckless behind the wheel. Not that I'm not saying sure. I advocate or agree with any of this, <laughs> just kind of throwing that out there. But I know that yeah. that is, that is some of the ways in which, in which they're doing machine learning, which I find uh, when you go to the Microsoft uh, machine learning, the new studio, not the classic mm-hmm. studio, but mm-hmm. you know, when you go and you start reading through the documentation for it, and maybe if you go through the training, it's been a while since we went through the training. It used to be in the training, uh, but there's an area in there about responsible ML, and, yeah. and and that's critical, right? So like you can make you yep. can get a machine learning output that could be like, you know, push the red button, the fire, yep. the fire off the nukes. I mean, that's yep. you know not yep. that's not responsible, you know. <laughs> right, right, yeah, no, I actually it's it's an awesome lead in because it's kind of the next session I had in my outline, which we didn't even share. So it's like you're reading my mind. However. <laughs> One quick aside before I jump into that, because, you know, that's where I wanted to go next. But um, it's it's funny you mentioned about the insurance companies, because um, so I, I bought a boat earlier this year, a fishing boat, and I had to get insurance for the fishing boat. And, you know, one of the questions that they asked me, I got it through one of the um, large insurance carriers that that um, specializes in, in recreational vehicles, especially. And, you know, one of the questions they asked is, have you been in a car accident in the last three years? And. I couldn't remember when it was. I had a fender bender in a parking lot, whatever. Um, and when I said yes, but I couldn't remember where it was or when it was, um, they said, okay, well, it's been in the last three years. We'll plug that into the system. Um, you know, premium came back and and for rounding purposes, it was, you know, 450 bucks a month. I mean, I'm sorry, 450 bucks a year for the, for the premium. Um, okay. Yeah. You know, whatever. I got to pay my dues. Um, But, you know, you tell me what, in what way does driving a boat translate to driving an automobile? Mm -hmm. And the answer is very, very little for anybody who's ever driven a boat, you know? (laughs) And so, so how, how is that a factor? Well, you know, they've got it built into their ML model that somehow that factors into the decision of, you know, whether or not um, I'm going to be a safe boater because, you know, I had had an accident. Now, when the results came back of them running my license and all that, it turned out that the light, that the accident had been more than three years ago. I had lost track of time and my premium went down to 325 bucks a month. That's, so a, big, it, that's a big, that's a big leap. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a significant difference in price. Um, you know, again, for this seemingly, you know, maybe kind of related, but honestly, you know, driving a boat does not relate to driving a car. You have so far fewer sure. hazards you know, I have no problem putting my 10-year-old daughter behind the wheel of a boat. Probably not going to put her behind the wheel of the car unless it's, <laughs> you know, in the middle of nowhere and there's nothing she can hit, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it is, it's an interesting component to it. Um, but, you know, flipping back over to the uh, responsible ML, I know we're coming up short on time here. Um, you know, that's one of the things as, as ML and AI have become much more predominant in today's world is what are those risks, you know, right? And so you talk about responsible ML, you know, um, something like uh, bias can affect the results of a loan application, yep. right? Um, uh, you know, an, an autonomous vehicle experiences a, a system failure while it's driving and it causes a, a collision, right? It's an error in the system while it's driving. Um, personally, I think autonomous vehicles are safer than, you know, you and me out there driving on the road. Agreed. They can react much more quickly, uh, you know, and, and 
But even still, Tesla is a leader, you know, not a sponsor, right? But they're a leader in this space. And they recently announced, um, there was a really interesting news article about it, but they basically said, you know, this is, it, it's, it's more of a challenging system than we ever anticipated it would be because there are so many hazards that come up um, over, over the course of driving. A good friend of mine has the Tesla with the autopilot. And, you know, I, I, you know, he, we were on vacation. I said, Hey, it took you an hour and a half to get here. Um, you know, what portion of that, if you decided, would you be able to use the autopilot function? Right. And he was like, if it's a straight road, if it's a highway, um, the, the lanes are well-marked all day long, no problem. If it's a back road, if, if it's a single lane road, if it's, if there are no, um, you know, it's a, it, it, there are no markings, it's a dirt road, you know, there's no way, right. Because it's just, it just doesn't know how to function. Um, you know, some other, uh, things, uh, medical diagnoses, right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, the problem with patient data, right. How do we store that securely if we're using ML models based on the patient data? And we deal with that all the time. I'm sure you do too, right. Oh, yeah. How do we protect that PII? Um, but at the same time, use the information to help train our models and get better diagnoses for clients, you know, um, for, for medical clients. Um, we talked about financial tools, um, you know, uh, in, in investment recommendations. You know, what, what should we invest in um, to help our money grow? You know, there are so many different models that you can use. Um, you know, what if there's a black swan event, right? That that totally throws that model off. Um, you know, a, a black swan event would certainly be COVID, a pandemic, right? Nobody mm-hmm. ever predicted it. The the economy was chugging along and and for three months it stopped. I thought we were all done for. I thought we were going to go straight to depression <laughs> mode. I mean, the, the economy is stronger than ever, right? So um it's it's just it is, it's it's just um it's amazing. Um, you know, how much these factors are a part of it and, and why uh, Microsoft has taken such a stance on responsible AI as a result. Yeah. And people, the output, if it's put out in public, people make decisions based upon based upon those predictions. Right. And, and I'm, we don't get political on this show, but I have to bring up some of the machine learning models in the past three major elections have all been completely wrong. Yep. And, and I personally know people are like, yeah, I'm not going to bother going voting because, you know, it's clear who's going to win. Right. Right, and it's right. like, but things aren't like you mentioned, black swan events, or maybe if if people are, are using these models and they're and they're just, you know, evangelizing about them, like, oh, yeah, this stock is going to go through the roof because, you know, we're predicting based upon all this stuff. And then, you know, somebody goes out there and mortgages their house and the stock tanks and it becomes a penny stock. Right. And now they lost their house, you know. Right, so right. doing the right thing by the output is is definitely critical. And, you know. I, I think as we wrap, because as you mentioned, we are at the top of the hour, you know, there, there is a there's use cases, everything from physical inspections all the way through uh, crunching numbers in, in economic models for your business and economic models for small countries, for that matter. Um, there, right. There's many of use cases for machine learning. Um, there are many tools to use. Uh, we, we mentioned uh, ML Studio, classic only for training and playing full blown mm-hmm. for everything auto ml helps you with a low entry point so you don't have to like get that fleet of data scientists to try to build something net new um right. so there is a low entry point in with some of these things machine learning is in our day and life natural language processing we've mentioned before is in our day and life ai right. is in our day and life and um it's it's one of those things where you can move forward with your organization using some of these things and a lot of the wrappers that are around it. Let's just do it right. And let's be right by the data so we can make good decisions. Right. 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 Absolutely. You know, and and I, I will say, um, you know, if, if you purely want to get into ML for the sake of getting into ML and building your own models and getting into it, um, have at it. Right. It's it's a science unto itself called data <laughs> science. Right. Yep. But. Um, one of the, one of the reasons that we have Azure cognitive services is to shortcut that for customers. We already have these models built. We already have the technology built where you can tap into those APIs for a lot of different functions, you know, whether it be vision or video or, um, you know, uh, language or, uh, decision-making processes, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's there. 
And, you know, for, for those folks who aren't going to go out and hire a data scientist, you can probably go high, hire a software engineer that can tap into those, um, those cognitive services into that API, tie it into your website for a lot lower, um, I guess, intro or um, interface, if you will, to be able to get into that space. Yep. Absolutely. With that note, normally we make a break in the middle uh, to to thank our sponsor. We just had such a steamroll. We uh, we're, we're, we're going to get to it here at the end. So the AI, um, the AI will push it in itself. <laughs> <laughs> there might be an awkward break in the middle. I'll have to look and see how that works, but uh, we'll figure it out. Uh, we do like to thank Sp- uh, Aspirant, uh, primary sponsor for what we do here, and uh, thank you, Chris, uh, again from Microsoft. Uh, data downloads are always one of the best listened to. And I think this is a good good primer for getting people to understand what it is and how we can do it and what that entry point looks like. Thank you for coming. Yeah, yeah. Have, thanks for having me. And uh, reach out, reach out on social. Right, ask yep. us more questions. Uh, tag us on Twitter. Tag, tag us on LinkedIn. You know, find out. You know, ask the questions. And, and if we don't have the answers, I know we can find them. Oh, absolutely. Uh, show notes. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, and I'll also put a link to your uh, YouTube channel too. I know there's a lot awesome. of good stuff coming there, so we'll put all that in the show notes. Thank you, everyone. We appreciate you as a listener, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Have a great one. Thank you. Alrighty. Bye. Bye. Today's show is brought to you by Aspirant. You aspire, together we achieve. This production is for information and entertainment purposes only. Not all technologies and items discussed are compatible with your system or specific configuration. Your knowledge may vary. Consult a professional before trying anything discussed on this show. Visit show notes for relevant information and links.